0: Welcome back to the latest episode of the Security Sprint. This is a security podcast where we go beyond the headlines and talk about the security and risk news and bring about a different perspective, as well as talk about the news or events that you may have missed. There's a lot out there. We all know that. And so we want to try to bring that to you in a really good form. Uh, this is a sprint. So the way it works is we go through two rounds of topics and then we do some quick hits. And with that, I'm going to bring in the man who's probably at the height of his sports fandom love right now and Andy this isn't a sports podcast but you you should be a lo- allowed to gloat a little bit about the uh Lions
1: but just quickly I appreciate it I mean wow what a win over the weekend the four and one Lions look remarkably good and you know the last time they were this good they they ended up losing the playoffs to New Orleans and I held about a 10 year grudge against the entire state of Louisiana for that but I'm over that and I'm over the loss and I'm ready to see the Lions do it again so Great weekend for the Detroit Lions. But like you said, got a lot to cover on this Columbus Day. Thanks for doing this on a Columbus Day holiday, Dave. I think we need to get into it.
0: I think it's also referred to as Indigenous Population Day, too, as that's well. Right. Indigenous so, people, that's um, right.
1: That's absolutely right.
0: Want to make sure that we give the proper shout out. Um, and everyone, of course, the big news of the over the weekend, Andy, was the uh, Hamas surprise attack on Israel, specifically around the Gaza area. A lot of rockets, a lot of uh, physical attacks, um, and also some airborne attacks. And then there's been some reports of stuff on the sea. Andy, a lot of information is developing very quickly here. A lot of uh, deaths, a lot of kidnappings is something we haven't seen in previous uh, incursions or, or events between Israel and Palestine. Um, but a lot of activity over the weekend. It is vastly developing. Israel has responded, which is what you might expect uh, rather forcefully. Uh, A lot of reporting going on. It's tough to stay on top of these types of situations. If you go back to Russia, Ukraine, same type of thing happened. We actually knew a lot more and anticipated a lot more because we saw the Russian buildup. This was quite a surprise and in some respects could be a failure of intelligence capabilities I, I'm sure that'll all come out at some point. I, I know Israel does a lot of really um deep dives into those things. So you they'll they'll figure that stuff out. But Andy, initial thoughts on Israel-Palestine. Dave, I mean,
1: a super complex topic. I think you made yep. a really key, you know, point there in that, you know, as 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 Israel's government has referred to this as their 9-11 moment, you know, maybe the greatest parallel in that, maybe, is is a catastrophic intelligence failure. And and again, there's a lot to sort out through this to understand that, but definitely caught the world by surprise, you know, this weekend. Um, And I think that goes into a couple other really important points to bring out. I mean, look, we're not going to be able to sort out everything that's happening in this war in Israel right now, today. It's it's an extremely fluid situation. There's a lot happening on the ground. There's a lot happening with the involved parties. There's a lot of questions, uncertainty and, and cascading diplomatic questions going on. So I think, one now is not really the time for speculation there's a lot of speculative uh, you know writing being done like we just don't know a whole lot right now so for the fact of the devastation that's occurred and like you said Israel's pre- executing a very aggressive counteroffensive as one should should expect right so that, that's one two you know besides speculation besides the very fluid environment very dynamic environment hard to keep up with and this creates two really important uh, challenges for all of us one Right now, if you're in a role like you and I are in, for many of those probably listening to this podcast, information overload. I mean, yesterday, today as I'm going through some of my work, there's just so much information coming from all sorts of different places. The Department of State's got groups set up to focus on this. The ISAC community, the National Council of ISACs, has groups set up to focus on this. Uh, uh, Abundant, abundant open source reporting, analyst groups. There's just a lot of information it can be overwhelming. And so it takes time to sort of through this. And as we do that, again, one, keep in mind the speculation, gotta be careful about that too. Because of the sensitivity of this topic and so many people have so many strong feelings on the involved parties and what's occurred, great opportunity for us to make sure that we check our personal biases in mm-hmm. this issue, right? As we see protests coming up, as we see a lot of rhetoric coming up domestically, internationally, as analysts, it's a great time to say, hey, stop. What am I personally feeling or thinking about this, that, or the other? And what is actually happening? And do I to consider an analytical, unbiased perspective? And that can be hard with sensitive topics. And certainly, you know, the, the religious implications, the geopolitical implications of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, it's a tough one. And so I think for analysts, we've got to be mindful of all of those things as we, as we look at what's happening in this environment. And, and Dave, I'll throw one more item, and there are two more items, if I can, before I get off my soapbox. One Numerous governmental organizations, state and local government organizations, numerous Jewish organizations, the faith-based information analysis organization, and others have all said, you know, no known specific credible threat to domestic uh, facilities, Jewish or otherwise, here in the United States. True, important to note, but also the potential for incidents for 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 threat actors to use this, whether it's in person or otherwise. That's certainly there, so we have to be mindful and sensitive to that. Um, There was a second point, which escaped me. I'll come right back to it. If it comes to me, Dave, let me give you the ball back.
0: Yeah, no, that is a great point. I'm glad you called that out. I I do think it's a really important uh, two areas that I'm thinking about is, is, you know, while this is a this is really largely regional conflict. Right. Obviously, there's a lot of things that spread beyond the borders and so on and so forth. But this has been a largely regional conflict and, and we should not expect to see the violence from this conflict spread much further beyond that. Obviously, there's always the ifs, ands, and buts, and there are always conditions that we can't anticipate at this time. However, as organizations, you started hitting on it, Andy, is is there are protests and demonstrations that occurred over the weekend. They will continue to occur. There were some pockets, I don't want to overblow it, but there were some confrontations between there was some pro-Palestinian and pro-Israeli groups. You'll remember back in the summer there were a lot of uh, conflicts between protests and demonstrations around Israel and some of the policies that they were imposing during the earlier part of the year. So now we're going to see some more of these that are occurring. There were a lot of reported uh, protests around around the world. So that's one part we need to understand and assess those risks. And and I think the interesting part is what we saw from some of the tactics that were used in that initial onslaught. Those are there are individuals out there who could be inspired or influenced by that and could be motivated by those tactics and said that they may be able to do some of that work as well. So it's just something we have to be cognizant of, we have to be aware of. It's never a bad thing to take an incident like this and start just dust off the playbook, look at your processes, look at your risk assessments understand uh those groups that that are um maybe operating within your area that you may need to be refreshed on and just it just maybe give the, your employees updated security warnings and and be be vigilant during this time um again I don't expect a lot of um things but again you never know how these things can affect different individuals and groups so that there there's where I would go with that any, any other comments hey, did you remember what you forgot Andy
1: no, but I'll build off what you showed So I think, you know, to, to your key points there, Dave, I agree with all, you know, maintaining awareness of your local threat environment, really important, right? Looking at, you know, those relationships, with local law enforcement, relationships with neighboring approximate tenant organizations, especially for faith-based organizations, especially for organizations, businesses that may have more prominent Jewish leaders right now, organizations that may be seen to be, uh, favoring or bias towards either party in this conflict like important to to really understand what's going on and talk to organizations around you about things you mentioned um plans and procedures physical and online right so you, t- you talked about the but you know the potential for physical incidents so so scrub those you know, active shooter plans scrub those bomb threat response procedures we've already seen a rash just swatting around this country especially at jewish organizations so be prepared to receive such threats right now because that could potentially increase. Similarly, from mosques, uh, that could increase there as well. It's not just your facilities, but also you know, Muslim facilities could also be implicated by in this. Or Christian facilities are seen biased towards one group or the other. So you've got to right. think about these. And then you know, lastly, you know, online hacktivism is also possible. So websites, social media, make sure you've got MFA turned on. Make sure you're looking out for again you know, your prominent leaders. And something we often forget about if you've got contact forms online, it's not difficult for, for somebody to make a threat through those contact submission forms. Are you aware to look for them? Do you know what to do if you receive them? Is it being communicated properly throughout your organization? Again, we assume most of these are, you know, false threats. We've got to take each one of them seriously. So I think uh, I think I'll stop sort of the the, the preparedness considerations there. But you know, there's really a lot to consider. Again, while you, like you said, Dave, it's, it's a regional conflict that's going to play out in the Middle East area, in, in Israel, in, in the Gaza area. But there are potential implications for domestic organizations. Yeah. Got to be careful, got to be vigilant, got to be smart.
0: Yeah, well said, Andy. So we don't want to belabor uh, the discussion. It obviously is a very important event, uh, very important and significant activity that's going on right now. Uh, continue to be vigilant, continue to read and update Trust your sources, check your sources and make sure as you've already seen a lot of the propaganda that's out there, the videos that are being shown. We see the same thing with Russia and Ukraine. Right. So it's no different. A lot of these things now in the age of social media. So let, let's not be swayed by any specific video. Check those videos out first before but before falling for any potential scams or or um uh, propaganda. Okay, Andy, let's get into our regular topics. We'll try to go through these two these rounds rather quickly. I'm going to start here, Andy. Last week, uh, NSA, the National Security Agency, and the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency released a joint advisory uh, about the top ten security misconfigurations, which provide the most common security misconfigurations in large organizations, and details the tactics, techniques, and procedures actors use to exploit those misconfigurations. Andy, we talk a lot uh, about security, and I know our good pal, Jennifer Lynn Walker, very much uh, stresses the importance of just doing the basics is gonna get you a long way in these evolving threats, but they did release that. We'll post these links in here, but just some of the 10 most common network configurations, default configurations of software and applications, improper separation of user administrator privilege insufficient internal network monitoring, lack of network segmentation, poor patch management, bypass of system access controls, and more and more. These are very basic ones. They also talk about some of the things that can be done um, that that or that are not being done that contribute to this, and that's not having properly trained staff or funded network security teams to, to implement these uh, mitigations for weaknesses. There is also software manufacturers must reduce the prevalence of these misconfigurations, and then they also talk about some of the key areas of there. So great information here, a lot of details, a lot of technical information, Andy. So you can you can be, you know, high level, and you can look at these things, and then pass it off to the smart people. If you were like me, I'm not going to get into all the technical details, but I'd pass it off to somebody like Jennifer Lynn Walker who can take care of it from there. But again, really good overview, very good. Focus on the fundamentals, Andy. That's where I'll stop there on that, that comment.
1: Yeah, great, 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 product to raise, Dave. I mean, I love it when you know CISA puts her head together with NSA and other federal partners, international partners, and, and creates something that creates low-hanging fruit opportunities, right? Saying, hey, here's, here's something to be aware of, here's things you can do to draw down risk right now. So great for organizations that are trying to figure out like how do I reduce risk? Well, check. Look at this, see what you've done, what you might need to do knock them out as you can at a reasonable pace. I think it's a great product. Really glad to see this kind of thing coming from our federal partners.
0: Yeah, these things, they're really great. And again, it's that doing the basics, a a lot of so many threat actors rely on you not doing the basics that they exploit and they penetrate. How, I mean, phishing is like 80% of most attacks start with a phishing thing. I mean, that's the basics, right? So again, we'll, we'll post that all out. So that's my round one topic, Andy. Where are you going with your round one? Dave,
1: I'm going to also go to sort of simple things we can do to make ourselves safe and secure. I want to go to a report that came out here in my home state, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, in the commission report following the, uh, the, the mass shooting that occurred in Virginia Beach a few years ago, 2019. And the commission had its own challenges in, 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 in its process, but they just published their report on the mass shooting. And without going into the shooting itself, don't get into details there that, that happened, tragic event, unfortunate, you know, some opportunities there to maybe have done things better. The report captures some really good foundational recommendations for organizations, and it's focused on Virginia's public sector, um, focused on you know, things that government can do and should do to increase active shooter hostile preparedness for their uh, facilities. But the, the, the recommendations are applicable to every organization that's out there. And so I would really encourage folks, we'll share the link to the findings, the PDF report, as well as, you know, Day 15's Hostile Events Preparedness Series and the Hostile Events Attack Cycle, Dave, which, you know, you author, which is a you know, very good product. These provide a great foundation for understanding the threat and the process that hostile event actors take on and the recommendations talking about you know developing the proper plans, doing the proper training, having the proper notifications, following the homeless security exercise and evaluation program to plan and prepare your exercises. Just, just point after point at stuff that we preach all the time. Great to see it codified here. And again, while focused on, the, on Virginia and the public sector, it applies to every organization. Great way to again, check your organization, see what they're recommending, see what you're doing, see where the gaps are, see where the opportunities are. And you can start taking action right now to start building resilience. Against one of the most serious concerns we have, especially on the physical security side. And to go back to our earlier point, you're talking about the conflict of in, in Israel and the potential cascading effect implications. You gotta have an active shooter plane. You gotta be ready for hostile events. This this commission report provides some really sound recommendations. So we share the links. Please check it out. Please help your organization prepare for potential threats and incidents. Good recommendations. Glad to see that happening in the Commonwealth. Glad we can take lessons learned and grow and build from them. Tragic incident. Let's get the most opportunity we can out of it.
0: Yeah, Andy, I mean, the, the, these reports typically take a very long time. And it's unfortunately, there's a lot of red tape around. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. But when they do come out, they're invaluable, really, Andy. I know last year, the Texas state uh, representatives released a report on the Evaldi one. Uh, yeah. The school sheet, that one came out really quickly, uh, but there was the initial report they haven't released. I don't believe they've released the final report there. But when these type of things come out, you need to be able to take those, sift through them, look at where you can apply similar recommendations. Because because again, y- you can never be too sure and you can always learn something new from something that happened. And so really glad to see this call out uh, and, re- and really good call out on that side, Andy. So Andy, uh, that concludes round one. Let's get into round two here. And I'm going right. to go stick, stick with CISA a little bit here and also about a little bit of the uh, the uh, speaking on a Monday. Um, but some of the various all hazards threats that uh, are out there. This is about specifically about the National Summit for K-12 School Safety and Security, which is hosted by CISA, which is going to bring about school safety experts, practitioners and leaders to share actionable recommendation to enhance safe and supportive learning environments in kindergarten through grades uh, K-12 uh, schools. Uh, this is going to be uh, November 1 through 2 of this year. It is virtual. There's no cost to attend. We'll share the registration or the flyer with the registration links. but. Really, it's going to talk. It's designed to bring together a dialogue to share and exchange information. We, we talk about that time and time again about sharing information, but they also want to be able to share resources, implementing ways to strengthen security postures within schools, also, equip stakeholders with training and expertise. And it's really going to focus around several areas cybersecurity. Online safety, which we know is really important. We've seen a lot of minor sex extortion cases that occurred last year and into this year as well. So online safety is really important. The positive school environment, recovery from emergency events, school safety planning and resources, mental health. And then violence prevention and early intervention as well as the whole student support so it's going to be a really a lot of great individual activities uh there and then it's it's for a lot of different people it's for administrators it's for superintendents principals teachers and staff, mental health first responders, a lot of great partnerships here, Andy. Uh, Really recommend, especially, look, this is no cost. I mean, this is, what a great opportunity to get together with a government agency here and understand what is being done and share those information. I I can't speak it enough, Andy, but that's where I'm going with my second topic.
1: Yeah, I mean, a a great forum for, you know, school security partners, and again, a place for both public sector partners, private schools, base based organizations that have schools like a great chance to come together and, and, and learn and share and grow and, and build the network that you need to build that resilience so um, great great topic to bring up David. again another thing we're glad to see Sisa doing good work. All right, so go- Andy, where are you going. Yeah. Let me let me jump in my number two and again, it, it's sort of relevant what's going on in Israel right now and some of the comments we already made. Um, I, I kind of chuckled at it but it's important to note it. Um, so. I think, yeah, last week, the International Committee of the Red Cross, the ICRC, the Red Cross posted a new set of rules urging activists to abide by international humanitarian law in times of conflict. They listed, I think, about 10 rules out. Do not attack civilian objects. um, Do not, you know, attack indiscriminately. uh, Don't don't look at uh, objects, indispensable survival of population. You're trying to urge basically good behavior. Right. Hey, 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 activists. You're gonna you're gonna do what you're gonna do, but follow these basic rules of behavior. Not an unreasonable sort of set of ideas, but maybe unreasonable to expect folks to comply, right? And 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 I'll I'll give a nod here to to Tim Starks and the Cybersecurity 202 published by the Washington Post. I really appreciate uh, the good work that Tim and his colleagues do there. And he he shared last week the, the hackers' response um, from several groups. And you know, TLDR, long story short on this. Come on, why should I listen to the Red Cross? Was was one of the responses, right? They they don't care. They're going to do what they're going to do. They're they're not going to be stopped because uh, the somebody, the Red Cross or anybody else says, "Hey, play more nicely." So appreciate the idea. Don't know if there's any like real valuable outcome from it. And the initial response from some of those that you know, might this might be targeting is like, "Hey, we don't care," right? So in- interesting. J- just wanted to point it out. You can. We'll share the links for both the um, the rules themselves and the, the cybersecurity 202 and some of the activist response. It, interesting. And again, with what we just discussed in relation to Israel, we could see activism. We could see some things both, again, in Israel and Gaza regionally and here in the U.S. So maybe check the rules out, see the response. And again, just take that into consideration. You think about your own organization's preparedness in these next coming days and weeks. I'll stop there, Dave.
0: Yeah, good, good, good point to wrap up our our uh, round two on. Andy will now jump into our quick hits. I I only have one today, and it's kind of hits across a couple different streams. Andy, uh, last week a, a rather curious incident occurred, and I say curious because we haven't had all the full details on it yet, um, even though it occurred sometime last week. But a German um, leader of the far right party Uh, as the Alternative for Germany party was given medical treatment and taken to hospital shortly before he was due to speak at an election rally in Bavaria. There were varying reports of whether there was a violent altercation backstage. There was also reports that he may have just been had a medical issue. Nobody's really coming out and saying it, but my main point on this Andy is we are getting into that election season here. We are going to start seeing a lot of information published about this or that or incidents or or whatever mdm dare i say miss this malinformation and so we do not to say that this is any of that but it right. is information that is unclear at this point and and it was picked up by a lot of news services so the information is out there and it can lead to rampant speculation and and kind of what we were talking about with some of the videos that are already being shared online not to say that they're fake or or disingenuous But there is a lot of information that's going to be shared over the course of the selection season that we have to really be on guard for. Uh, And we have to make sure that before we start spreading that information, we have some more of the information and, and facts out there. So instead of further fanning the flames of this by liking sharing retweeting or uh, quote tweeting or or what I don't know what we're calling it an X anymore Andy but um but whatever the way it is is instead of doing that make sure you're doing your due diligence to protect that so Andy that was my quick hit on this uh Columbus Day indigenous people day
1: yeah and a good point is there, there have been articles today about you know, uh, uh, prominent individuals, you know, pointing people to resources that are questionable resources in relation to what's going on in Israel. And so that that chance to sort of share and promote, you know, potentially deliberate information operation type propaganda, messaging, whatever, it's out there. And so, you know, check your sources, ch- check what you're saying, take things in context, not to minimize threats and incidents, but we have to be mindful mm-hmm. of these things, especially during political seasons and, and high, high visibility conflicts like we're seeing right now. Good topic, Dave. I'm just going to mention four quick things. One, uh, Microsoft released their digital defense report uh, talking about espionage fueling global cyber attacks. They talk about all sorts of things. They, they talk about ransomware. They they dive in a lot of topics. But a good report, some good analysis by Microsoft uh, in this morning's Risky Biz News. Katalin Simfanu did a good job summarizing some of the key highlights in there. Check out the report. Check out Catalan's. Uh, 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 summary, but both are worth the review because he always puts good context on things. Two more MGM fallout, you know the the attack on MGM. you know, looking at cost from between 100 to 110 million are the numbers I've seen float around. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no small or insignificant, you know, numbers in that. So, you know, as as organizations weigh their ransomware resilience and preparedness, as they weigh their response to ransomware incidents and the decisions they're going to make just it's good information to consider right and good information to consider uh two last ones dave you already mentioned this a couple times last week sys and the nsa released new guidance on identity and access management you mentioned her friend jennifer lynn walker uh jen talked on that topic when she was out in san diego with me a couple of weeks ago identity management challenging uh topic in today's environment really important good guidance here um, by assisting the NSA to consider for all organizations. And lastly, the FBI highlights some online safety tips as part of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Simple, basic, good reference. Again, worth checking out. And if you're doing something in your organization to promote Cybersecurity Awareness Month, hey, here's a free resource from the FBI. Take it, share it, evangelize You know, preparedness and security. G- good, low-hanging fruit again. So Dave, that's, that's where I'll stop for today.
0: Yeah, no, great topics and a really great uh, run through today, Andy, on, on this uh, on this Monday. Um, so really appreciate all that time and effort. Uh, again, everyone, please be sure to be vigilant out there, understand the the threats and risk and, and the, take the appropriate steps. I want to also encourage you, well, I want to thank you for listening to this Security Sprint podcast. We've got a great group of loyal listeners, so really appreciate that. Please share and promote as much as you'd like. Uh, this is not Miss, dis, and mal information. So feel free to uh, like and retweet or or repost, however you want to call it. Uh, also, a reminder about our other podcast. We've got the Nerd Out Security Discussion podcast, and we also have Andy Jabour doing our Gate Fifteen interview. We've got a great guest coming up this. Uh, month, Andy. So look forward to uh posting that one out in a couple weeks here. But again, uh please listen to all, all of our G15 podcasts. We really appreciate your support. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out or comments or how, how letting us know how we're doing or how much you like Dave over Andy. It's a, it's always a good. Uh, but you can always say podcast at g15.global. And with that, Andy, I will bid you all adieu. <music>